lots and lots of spoilers. Right, well, welcome to Max Mike Movies. The, that is, of, of course, if you didn't, you know, tune in. I, I mean, I'm sure that if you're listening, be, because you are listening, that you, you know, more or less rather wanted to be here, as it were. Sorry, if it's not the show you're looking for, but, well, I'm sure we can rather entertain, should you wish to, as they say, hang about. This week there'll be a lot of apologizing because we're on the second film of our current series, Isn't It Romantic? The Hugh Grant-Julia Roberts movie, Notting Hill, which we hope is all right. You know, isn't going to offend anyone. Max and I have actually been to Britain, which is, you know, rather good as it can lend a kind of understanding to the whole proceeding. A bit of sincerity and all that, if you don't mind. And if you don't mind, I'd like to introduce the first host. Well, he hasn't done any talking as of yet, but but when he does, he certainly, you know, will be first, or rather second. I like to think of him as Flopsy Max Levine. And I, well, I'm just in the corner murmuring, and therefore you can think of me as mumbling Mike Luce. Right, enough granting about. We've got a show to do. God, get on with it! <laughs> Good lord! Yeah. If anyone out there is still awake. (laughs) Right. Sorry if that went on too long. Oh, geez. I didn't. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes, Pinky. This week we are doing Notting Hill. You didn't really stammer enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll try harder, you know, to. Yes, th- this this is the movie with Hugh Grant at a very very high level of Hugh Grantiness. Yeah, he might even be at the apex of Grant. Yeah, this might be peak Grant at that point. And, and yet, at no point in this movie does anybody walk up to him and go, "Oh, Mister Grant," it's, which is a darn shame. Darn it shame. is a darn shame. Uh, so yeah, we're watching or we watched Notting Hill this week, uh, and uh, as you might suspect, or even if you don't, there's trivia. Ooh. Tell us, tell us, do. The show. Bouget. That's a French term meaning budget. I don't know why, because there's no French people in this film. $42 million. Okay, which uh, 40 of which I assume went to pay Julia Roberts. Uh, you will find that actually will be part of the trivia. We yeah. will find out. Okay. It's, I think it's the next bit. The take. Take a guess. Was this successful, Max? Do you think oh, this was successful? I'd say this was probably pretty successful. I would think it was pretty high. So um, take a guess. If it was $42 million mm, to make and it's successful, how much did it make? Uh, $150 million. Not even close. <laughs> uh, $250 million. You, you, you can see the sun wow. from there. $364 million. Wow. Which is... A lot of love. I'm surprised there wasn't a Notting Hill 2, you know, Spike's <laughs> Revenge or something. I honestly don't think they could have afforded to make it. No, probably not. Oh, 1999, when this came out, that was kind of when a whole bunch of those people really broke. Yeah. And uh, remember, this is a rom-com, 42 million. So Anna Scott, which is Julia Roberts' part in this film, has a moment when a group of regular people ask her, or in this case, one of turns out one of William's friends asks her what she made on her last movie. Her answer in the film is $15 million, 
which just so happened to be what she made on this movie. Oh, wow. So she got almost a third, more than a third of the budget. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I'm betting Hugh Grant did not. Probably not. I mean, Although I'm, he was very popular, but yeah, he, he, I don't know how much of a, was he as much think, of a box office darling? I don't think so. But I didn't see that. That wasn't part of the trivia. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing it wasn't that interesting, like a lot of Hugh Grant. Anyway, uh, the scene where Anna Scott puts down the group of men speaking loudly about her in the restaurant was ad-libbed by Roberts, then added to the script. Oh. Not part. Yeah, they were okay. just supposed to walk off. That amazing see, uh, scene of the Four Seasons that was shot uh, when he's going down the... Uh, oh, yeah. Um, the, the, I can't remember the name of the road, and it's a very, very famous road. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. Through the marketplace, yeah. Uh, it was shot over four different days. It was actually Hugh Grant that was CG'd seamlessly into place. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, strangely, Anna Scott, again, Julie Roberts' character, never actually calls Hugh Grant's character William by name. <laughs> Oh, okay. Now that you say it, I, I think that's right. Yeah. And she calls him Flopsy a couple of times. Yeah, that's it. So, the original length of this movie hmm? was a whopping three and a half hours. What? Good three God. Three and a half hours. I mean, this movie's two hours and four minutes, which is kind of long for a romantic comedy. But yes, three it is. hours? Yikes. Three and a half hours. Three and a half hours? What, what, what else? What did they take out? I don't know. The original blue door on Williams' home mm -hmm. is a real door on a real residence, and it was auctioned off after the movie and now exists on somebody else's house. Oh, okay. Of course, there's nothing stopping you from painting your door blue and saying, this is the door from Notting Hill. Yeah, but there you go. Yeah. Anna Scott, again, Julie Roberts' character, was meant to be a combination of Grace Kelly and Audrey Hepburn, which I can totally see. Alec Baldwin goes uncredited as Jeff, Anna Scott's on-again, off-again boyfriend. That's right. How much he got paid for that? I, when you I go mean, uncredited, usually it sounds like scale, but I don't yeah. know. Uh, other uh, cast members that had uh, inter well, who would be interesting later on. So Hugh Bonneville, he plays William's uh, friend Bernie, yes. is better known as the Lord of the Manor in Downton Abbey. Lord Grantham, by Jove. Grantham, Grantham. Uh, Tim McInerney, who plays uh, Max, a perfectly wonderful name, is likely better known for his two roles in Blackadder. Yep. Uh, he played Lord Percy, and I forget the name of the, of the uh, captain Cap he played. Captain in Darling. Ah, thank you. Uh, utterly unrecognizable. I didn't know it was him. Um, Racy Vons, which is exactly how it says it's pronounced on uh, uh, Wikipedia. Uh, he plays Spike. It'll probably amaze listeners to know that he also played Xenophilius Lovegood in the <laughs> Harry Potter movies. <laughs> He's done a ton of stuff. This is one yeah. of the few movies where he really lets his Welsh accent fly. Mm. And he is Welsh. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, amazingly dull as far as trivia goes. Uh, mm. The rest tends to be the usual so-and-so was almost considered for a role. The location was expected to be a horror show but wasn't. And Bumpy the Wonder Pony <laughs> scenes were left on the cutting room floor. Where Bumpy, Bumpy himself belongs. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> do you know any other trivia about this? Not really. Although I do like the fact that uh, when we see that great sequence of poor William being set up by his friends with various girls. Did you yeah. recognize the perfect girl? Which is, by the no. way, how she is listed in the credits. She doesn't get a name. <laughs> she is perfect girl. I did not. Now, that was Emily Mortimer. 
Ah, but, yes. Well, who you we've seen as Jane Banks in Mary Poppins Returns, and okay. we've and we dealt with in one of our previous movies, Cars Two. She was the voice of Holly Shiftwell. Ah, she's also the voice of young Sophie from Howl's Moving Castle. She's done ah. a ton of stuff. She was pretty much an un, almost an unknown at that point, but she she is she's got a heck of a resume. She's done a ton of stuff, including this. Yes, right. Uh, well, oh, on sorry. To the, oh, yep, oh. One other, yep. No. Well, actually, this. Yeah. Well, let's start because this is actually part of the opening. I want to talk ah. about. On to the plot. William Thacker, owner of a sad little travel bookshop in the heart of the Notting Hill district of London, finds his day and life suddenly turned around when who should just happen to walk into his store but Anna Scott, played by Julia Roberts, one of the world's best-known actresses. A lovely little happenstance that can't lead to anything except that later that very morning, William bumps into her, literally, again. Spilling orange juice all over her, he gallantly invites her back to his place to freshen up. William's a simple bloke, unlucky in love and life in general, except for being played by Hugh Grant. Still, Anna seems to take a liking to William if, for no other reason, he represents something she never seems to have, which is a taste of what a real everyday life must be like. Acting on instinct, William asks if she happens to be free. Sadly, she's not, until suddenly she is! Bad luck, William forgot that he has to go to his sister's birthday party that night. If that's all right with William, Anna will be his date. So they go together to meet William's friends and sister, Hollywood mixing with the middle classes in the heart of London. Things go well until Anna's true, real-life boyfriend from Hollywood suddenly shows up, throwing cold water onto William's metaphorical pants. <clears throat> ah, well, bad luck, William. Until Anna has a little bad luck of her own. Fleeing the press, she goes to the one place she doesn't think she'll be looked for, that little house in Notting Hill. William, thrilled to have the impossible back in his life, takes her in and finally seems to let his guard, as well as his non-metaphorical pants, down. All seems... well, it's true. <laughs> All seems well and happy until Spike, William's roommate, just happens to mention, down to the pub, that Anna Scott is staying at their place. Next morning brings with it a giant flock of reporters and more scandal to Anna's already complicated life. She tops off in anger, blaming William for her troubles. William, his heart broken again, swears off women, joins the He-Man Woman Haters Club, and tries to find his way through life without the princess of the films. Wait, what? Well, these... well it's true. <laughs> yeah. will, will these two ever get together? Can such stories really have a happy ending? What the hell do you think a rom-com is anyway, the end? More or less. Well, you did not, however, more. mention what's up with Zangief's ass. I... Urgh. I'll have to scratch up my notes. Yep. So, yeah. there's a part you wanted to mention. Yeah, the opening song, uh, that great uh, pastiche where we see like uh, Anna Scott's posters and we hear Elvis Costello singing She. Yeah. This also has a connection back to one of our earlier films. Uh-oh. Yeah. The Truth About Charlie. Remember that? Oh, that embarrassing sure. remake of uh, Charade? Yes. The song She was sung by Elvis Costello. It was written by Charles Aznavour who makes a memorable appearance in The Truth About Charlie. Yeah, uh, interestingly, I didn't put this in the trivia because it just seemed to be like, meh. Uh, they originally had his version, but it didn't play well with the audience or the huh. test groups. So they were like, uh, blah, 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 French guy, uh, Elvis Costello. And <laughs> we need they, an Englishman. Um, um. <laughs> right. Mm. Elvis Costello, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
so had, uh, we'll get to that at the end. I have to, I'll get to this now. Max, had you seen this when it came out? When it came out? You know, I honestly don't remember. I don't know if I ever saw it in the theater. I might have just seen it on uh, an ancient technology called VHS. Would you explain this VHS? No, yes. No, 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 please don't. It stands for Vehicular Homicide Study. And uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't either. I actually would not have gone to see this film because I was not a huge Hugh Grant uh, fan. Although I did see... Let me think. Um, I think I saw Four Weddings and a Funeral in the theater, mm. but I went with some... Pardon me. With some friends who wanted to see it. Um most of whom uh, were of the more rom-com uh, leaning, I guess you could put it. I remember liking it, but I don't remember the plot much. Interestingly, uh, Hugh Grant originally was worried about doing this film because he thought the plots were too similar. Hmm. Although I don't remember any funerals in this film. I don't think <laughs> well, so. There's only one wedding, and it happens at the end. Um, Ooh, spoiler! <laughs> Oops! Yeah, but I didn't say who. Wow, a rom-com that ends with a wedding? Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, it's an interesting contrast between this uh, last week's and this week's, isn't it? Uh, kind of, in that, well, we it's pretty much explicit that we not only see these two in bed together, but that they actually do the nasty. Well, it's implied. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does later on playfully go and take a look at her, mm-hmm. you know, hoo-hahs. Yeah. Um, which, I think, quite honestly, that moment... So there's a scene later on when they get together. It's not. It's like maybe halfway through because mm. it is a long film. Yeah, um, I would say that I think the pacing's actually pretty good, especially for a two-hour rom-com. I was never bored. Mm-hmm. But William, played by Hugh Grant, and honestly, if you haven't seen the film, just picture Hugh Grant in anything. It's <laughs> yeah, he's playing Hugh Grant. Although I do have to say, I saw a movie, one of the last movies I saw in theaters this in this hell year. Called the oh Ge- yeah hmm? what go ahead yeah, the gentleman oh and Hugh Grant plays in effect a bad guy in it he plays this really sleazy tabloid journalist and he is great he's like the best <laughs> thing in the movie he's hilarious and loathsome and he is just having such a good time you can tell if only we'd had more of that in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was back, you know, before his, you know, I believe this movie was before the um, <clears throat> incident with Miss Brown. Oh, I thought you were going to say before they dropped. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miss Brown. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so to me, either this film or Hugh Grant's mugshots are the most Hugh Grant thing ever because I have never seen a mugshot of anybody else who looked horribly embarrassed before. He did. It's one of the most English mugshots you could have. It's like, oh, I'm so terribly sorry. You know? And he looks it. Yes. <laughs> and he should be. Quite yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's uh, to me it was interesting having Julia Roberts in this playing this huge superstar because she, her big breakout role was like eight years earlier in 91 in Pretty Woman. That's right. the one that really, between the, this, between those two movies, she didn't have a lot of huge hits. I mean, the Pelican I mean, Brief and... Uh, she must have done okay if she got 50 million bucks for this she, film. She was, because also, I think it's the next year, she won the Academy Award for Aaron Brockovich. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, cripes. Uh, 15, the 42 million is a budget and 15 <laughs> goes to Julia. Okay. Mm. Um I, the film starts off 
um, interestingly, and it's it's a lot of the to me a lot of the point of this film besides the whole will they or won't they which come on there's yeah. I, I will say this there is never a moment that we're like they're not going to get together i i and that's not a bad thing because it's still played very well but i don't honestly believe for a second that something good isn't going to happen it's just the film just has that feeling about it um but the other thing the one of the major points of this film is how fame is a weird weird thing mm. And I honestly think that one of the reasons that she likes William, I think she also probably feels a little sorry for him. It's like, wow, this guy needs somebody. He just it, needs well, someone. Well, there's that. There's also the fact that, oh, this guy is frigging beautiful. Look, he, I, you know, this is not my area of expertise, but Hugh Grant is a stunningly good-looking man. And He's, the thing I, in this movie, especially, is he acts like he has no idea of that. Right. And it's important because, well, <laughs> I think if he ever did, he would just constantly apologize for it. Because yeah. that's what he spends his time doing. <laughs> um, although he has his moments. So, like, uh, early in the film, when uh, she walks into his bookstore, his travel bookstore, they only sell books on traveling, which guarantees <laughs> that he'll never make a lot of money. Yeah. Because, Whatever. Oh, God, that sequence with the patron who comes in and just doesn't seem to get it, keeps asking for novels. Yeah. I had such flashbacks to working in a bookstore. <laughs> so I, and we're, and we're going to get to that in a, in a minute. Just, uh, But first, so he deals with a shoplifter. Mm. And it's you Rufus. see a little bit... Rufus. We see Rufus acting... You know, he's, he's stealing a travel book. I'm like, really? I don't know who's more pathetic. Yeah. William for having this bookstore or you for robbing it. <laughs> It's like, what are you going to do with this, like, you know, 10-pound travel guide to wherever it was? Um, and he goes, he's like, right, um, sorry, uh, bad luck. And the guy's <laughs> like, what? He's like, uh, security camera. He's like, so? Well, I saw you put that book, you know, down your trousers. It's just <laughs> like, really? That's as forceful as he gets. I don't know. Um, I have to say, I saw that scene a little differently. It's one of the, I think that was one of the things that why Anna sort of found him appealing, not because he was pitiful, but because he's very matter of fact, and he is in no way afraid of this guy. He's confronting a thief, and he's just like, yeah, bad luck. <laughs> There's a security well, camera. Now. now you can either wipe it off, take it out of your trousers, wipe it off, and put it back on the shelves, or you can buy it, or I can call the police and uh, let them check your trousers. There's and Rufus backs down. He starts to bluster, try to bluster his way out of it. But I think in that moment you realize William is not a complete pushover because he no, no, no. he doesn't the back I down. Was bring, the reason I was bringing it up is because I thought that was one of the few moments where William shows he actually does have a backbone. Yeah, true. It's just he doesn't use it very often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look at his flatmate. We get to oh, Spike, God. who is a wonderful character. Oh, he's so much fun. But how has he not thrown him out? Because I mean, that's the, not one of the times he has a backbone. Yeah, I guess, because obviously, I mean, it's a nice apartment. It's kind of strange, narrow, and tall. It's like, what, three floors? He I'm sh And in a very nice location. I'm sure he could have rented it out to anyone else. All yeah. I can figure is either he's gouging Spike hideously on the rent, or because we never hear anything that Spike is doesn't pay the rent on time. It's just well, Spike is a pig. Yes, he is a... a <laughs> He is absolutely hilarious, and a huge kudos to Reese Vons for 
playing that character the way he did, being willing to stand about more or less in his underwear. What do you mean, more um, or less? He's wearing just his briefs in several yeah, scenes. Yeah, but they're and not even else. all the way on. Yeah. <laughs> It's like one cheek has slipped out. The thing about Spike that keeps him from being a detestable character is there isn't a nasty bone in his body. He is like a big child. He is very, he's really very sweet in a lot of ways. There's, he's, there's nothing about, you get the feeling he couldn't, he'd never lie because, uh, you know, William asks him, Spike, did you tell anyone that Anna was here? And he could, it would have been the easiest thing for him to say no but he can't. He says, I may have mentioned it to one or two people down the pub. Yeah. doesn't even occur to him to lie. No, no. And as it turns out, he ends up being, honestly, the perfect match for William's younger sister, honey. <laughs> I, that sequence, I mean, we're jumping ahead in the plot a yeah. bit, but I think that's so adorable when they're all sitting around the failed restaurant yeah. and talking about what's happening in their lives. And she says... She's sitting next to Spike, who's just sitting there with his big sort of, I have no idea, look. <laughs> you know, he he reminds me a little of Doug, the dog from uh. <laughs> Squirrel? Yeah, Squirrel? Like, I don't, I have only just met you, but I love you. And he say, I, I've decided to get engaged this year. You know, he's a... He's an up-and-coming artist, artist yeah. with, with with brilliant prospects. No. And, they all sit, and he just sort of look, and when they're all going, he, oh, that's nice, she sort of leans over, looks over his Well, bike. you missed one part that's oh, very right. important. Yeah. I think he's going to make me happy for the rest of my life. Oh. Which is really just very and, sweet. And then she sort of sideways leans over to his bike and goes, by the way, it's you. <laughs> and, and, the, and he looks at her like, what? And he's like, well, all right then. <laughs> His reaction yeah. is so adorable. The two of them are so adorable together. Because they are. we know from her, she tells that she's has this habit of picking really awful men. Well, and skipping ahead, this is actually probably my favorite montage. I'm not a big fan of montages because you can feel them coming. They feel like I sometimes I feel like cheating. This particular montage, which gets mentioned in the trivia, you know, the whole thing is literally it's William walking down Portobello Road. That's oh, what I was trying to it. remember. It's a very, very famous road. He is walking down Portobello Road through three seasons. Um, and it's him and it's like a non, it's one shot. And it starts off in the fall. It's suddenly the winter and it's still William. And it's this wonder, it's, it's um, Ain't No Sunshine is playing. Yes, Bill Withers' great, just heartbreaking song, Ain't No Sunshine yep. When She's Gone. It's perfect. The soundtrack and, in this movie is amazing. And in the beginning of the montage, we see Honey with her current boyfriend. That's his sister's name, apparently. Yeah, Honey. At the end of the montage, we see them breaking up because he's obviously been horrible to her. He just sort of walks off like whatever, and she's in tears. So it's this nice little little story within a story. And it's just a couple of seconds. It is. But we're just watching William obviously just sort of slog through life for the next six months, which is apparently what he does. And it's a nice way to get through it without having to dwell on it. And, of course, we get the great song and a great visual. Um, but, yeah, just like you said, she she talks about having a history of boyfriends that treat her badly. And then she's Spike at one point. William comes down for breakfast and Spike is standing there in a wetsuit. <laughs> and and to be fair, it's the top half of the wetsuit. Yeah. He's like his legs are showing. I forget what he was wearing on the bottoms, but yeah. um, William looks at him and is like, "Why are you wearing that?" And he's like, "Well, <laughs> I ran out of clean clothes, and I was rooting around through your closet. I found this, and I thought it looked pretty cool." 
And yeah, uh, we never see him make any art. I don't know if he actually does, but he, he certainly plays the part very well. Yeah, honestly, if she hadn't said he was an artist, I it wouldn't even occur to me. I no, just know he's not. He's not in the apartment all day, so he obviously goes somewhere. <laughs> Like this one scene early on where he comes out and he goes, there's something off about this yogurt. And William goes, ah, yes, well, it's mayonnaise. Ah. And, and then she keeps, just keeps eating, eating it. it. Yikes. <laughs> um, Spike is, is a great part of this film. He's really funny. He's really throws you off balance and doesn't take over the movie, which is nope. very important. Yeah. But he also is a voice of truth. Because right. toward the end, when there is this heartbreaking scene, there are one, there are a number. I gotta say, there's this whole you know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl. There are so many boy loses girl and girl loses boy in this movie. It's whiplash. Yeah, but at, at toward the end, when Anna Anna has come to the the bookstore and basically d- delivered that legendary, that famous that line, line, "I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her," and he's talking to his friends. Saying, you know, it was probably for the best. Because he says no, because he's he's afraid, because he, she hurt him so badly the last time. Twice. Twice. And they well, and his friends the part are all, where she gave him a Chagall. Yes, she gave him an actual, <laughs> honest-to-God, genuine Chagall painting. Holy crap. Which was probably worth more than the building he lived in. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's saying, I made the right decision, didn't I? And all of his other friends are like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And he mentions it to Spike, and Spike just looks at him and says, you daft and i won't say it but he says no basically you were an <laughs> idiot and he's the only one and he's the one who, then william goes oh my god what have i done <laughs> that is yeah. one of his great moments and when they are driving hellbent for leather over to the ritz to try to stop to catch up with her and they're blocked by traffic and without a thought spike leaps out of the car runs into the middle of the intersection and starts stopping the cars by, you know, with his body. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't even think he throws himself, in effect, uh, on the grenade to, to for his friend. And I, I think that's just, that's why Spike is a redeemable and a likable character. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, there's, so there's a bunch of friends, and... Mm. They're almost a little subplot of their own, and they're all really cool characters yeah. that we meet very briefly. But I can totally see these people being friends, and they all have something to them which makes them kind of interesting. So um, Bernie, who is the apparently the worst stockbroker in London, <laughs> uh, is play who's play he's Lord Grantham. Um, oh no, uh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, yes. Yep. <clears throat> So he doesn't even recognize Anna Scott. He says hello to her. He starts talking to her. It's like, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I'm an actress. Oh, well, good for you. So, um, yeah, I know so many. It's a tough business. So many of my friends, they're all waitressing and stuff. And uh, so what kind of uh, acting do you do? Yes, films. films. <laughs> She's looking at him because everybody else has recognized her. And he just does not get it. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, good for you. Um, so what did you make in your last film? And she's like, $15 $15 million. Million. <laughs> and He's like, ah, well, well that, that's good. Well isn't done. It? <laughs> I, that like, whole evening is so cool. All of the characters. I loved uh, um, Max, not just because yep. of his awesome name, but you know, also you know Tim McInerney, right? Because he is the one who recovers the fastest from realizing who Anna is. Because he yeah. like turns to her, le- sticks out and goes, "Hello, oh, have have a drink." Boom! Yeah. He gets it. He recognizes her, and he 
pulls himself out of it. Whereas you know, Honey starts falling, you know, gets goes all fangirl over her. Yeah, and even um, uh, is uh, Bella is uh, Max's Bella. what? Hmm? Yes, yeah, Bella. Even she's like, oh, like what the hell is going on here? The other thing, because I, of course William didn't tell them ahead of time no, who he was bringing to dinner. No, I also really, I have to admit, just on a certain level, it turns out Bella uh, and Edward, or not Edward, I'm thinking oh! wrong movie. <laughs> I will hurt so you for that. So they were sparkling together. <laughs> Bella and Stabby William were, they had a th- together. They were, they went out for a while, but there was yep. no chemistry, and she ended yep. up with Max. Now, Tim McInerney is many things. But he is not, shall we say, a heartthrob. He is skinny, no. gawky, and I love the f- and Bella is gorgeous, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that she tossed over Hugh friggin' Grant for gawky <laughs> Tim McInerney's character. I I just really like that. But, and the thing is, you buy their relationship completely. That you can just tell the two of them are over the moon about each other. Yeah, and to and me, that's that, yeah. That's really important because we see, and in fact, they comment on the fact that these two really love. So uh, Bella's in a wheelchair. She had an accident a year and a half before where she broke her legs and she's now paralyzed for life. And without thinking twice, he carries her up to the stairs every night. It's like, we're not moving. We love this house. I will carry her up the stairs. That's just what I'll do. And then later on, when it's time for them to do this car chase thing, they're all in the car, and he goes, he's driving. He's like, where's Bella? She's like, oh, she's not coming. He says, the hell with that. Yeah, gets she's out, out of there the car. waving, go, go. And he's like, hell with that. Without a thought, gets nope. out, get, make sure she gets in the car. Yep, she's coming. It's like, those two, it's, 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 a, it's a tiny role. Like, they're on screen for a total of ten minutes. And they're such a nice couple. You know, like, it, I want to meet them. I bet they, uh, he cooks terribly, but we can overlook that. <laughs> and it's so... <laughs> There is this really moving scene at the dinner table during the birthday party for Honey where they're going around. There's one brownie left, and they're going around the table saying, who, who is the, sad, as they say, the saddest act here? Right. And Bella talks about her life and how, you know, she's, she's uh, a paraplegic, and she can't, they realize they can't have children. Yeah. Max does not. Max is no. the one at the table who doesn't talk about what a sad act it is, and it's not because he doesn't want to, it's because her life is his life. Her yep. sadness is his sadness. You can just tell. Yeah. He, he doesn't and, need his own story. And they are just absolutely wonderful. Mm. And I don't know anything on, about those two actors. I mean, yeah, he went on to play Lord Grantham, and if I looked her up, I'm sure she played tons of things, too. Mm. But whatever chemistry those two have, it's n- Quite honestly, it's a tiny touch better than that of <laughs> Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant, which I'm not saying that they don't have chemistry because we, we're going to get to that question in a yeah. sec. But those two together are so just lovely. Yep. <laughs> they really are. They, they are the kind of couple you want to be or you want to know. Yeah. Um, but that whole scene, the whole dinner party scene, the, the birthday party scene, and that specifically they go around the room and talk to people and, and they think, you know, uh, Bella's going to win easily because it's like, well, you know, we don't want to compete with the the paraplegic. And then she's reaching for the brownie and Anna's like, what about me? And they're all like, really? The movie star? She's like, well, and she goes in through what is honestly, it's again when I was talking about how fame is sort of a, a central point of this film. It's like, I've been on a diet 
for 10 years. So basically, I've been hungry for 10 years. <laughs> yep. I can't do anything without the newspapers making a big deal out of it. My personal life is everybody else's news. Um, they will in, in a few years, my looks will go and they will find out I can't act. And then what am I going to do? I will basically have run out of career and I'll be in my mid 30s, which, as Julie Roberts has proven, is in fact not the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also interesting because it's a very thin line between how much of this is Julia Roberts and how much of this is the character she's playing. Cause I'm willing to bet that some of the stuff that she is talking about, she talks about the fact that she's had two very painful operations to get her to look the way she has mm-hmm. might be true. Yeah. I have no idea, but all of this is for the pursuit of fame, right? Yep. And one of the big, um, what's the word I want? Uh, the, the, the catching points between Anna Scott and William Thacker which is a perfectly wonderful British name, mm-hmm. is that their two worlds couldn't be more different. He lives in this shabby little store. He has a nice group of friends. You know, he's got some support, but he's he had a wife who left him for somebody who looked like Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, and he's his prospects are not good. You know, he's he's... His nickname of Flopsy is actually kind of fitting. Well, he, he says it's the it's hair. The hair uh, yeah. <laughs> it's either Floppy or Flopsy, because they say Floppy at the yeah. dinner table, and then she calls him Flopsy later, but whatever. And as he puts and, it, I love his his comment when she's invite she wants to know if she he wants to go out. And he says, Oh yes, the only thing waiting for me at home is a masturbating Welshman. <laughs> Sadly, factually accurate. <laughs> Um, and the, it does come to a moment. Like actually, the first time they go out on the way home, he comes, takes her back to the Ritz. By the way, that's the real Ritz. They did actually film inside the Ritz. So uh, those of us who will never actually nope. stay at the Ritz, which is probably oh yeah. any of us listening, yeah, right or, now. or making or recording, yeah, yeah, they had to do it like between two and four in the morning. But that's the actual Ritz. Um, he gets her back, and lo and behold, that's when Alec Baldwin shows up, a.k.a. Jeff King. Oh, God, that is such a painful sequence. And it, Alec plays it perfectly. Oh, he does. You it, you hate him immediately. Yeah. And it's obvious that he thinks he's being nice. Because yeah. what happens is uh, William goes up to her door and knocks, and she's like, yeah, you should go. Because it turns out her boyfriend showed up. And then he's going to go, but the boyfriend pops out of the bathroom. And she and says, who's this? He said, oh, it's room service. And she, he begins treating him like a waiter. Right. And he's like doing the very loud, smiley, you can do this for me, American thing. And handing him a, what I'm guessing is like a 10-pound note or whatever to whisk away the dishes in the trash. But he's just so, like, he's putting class right into everything he says. Uh, he's like again. He's trying to be nice, but he's doing it in a way that shows that he's he thinks he's better than the help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and Al Baldwin's again. He's on screen two minutes, maybe. And, and also, of course, he says, you know, to, to Anna when she's trying to decide what to order. He says, "Well, don't get anything too much. You know, I don't want to be that famous actor with the fat girlfriend." Yeah. It's like, it's just wow. Like, I hope they push him out a window. Yeah. <laughs> And again, you know, this is part of the fame thing. Sadly, that's probably exactly how some of those relationships go. Probably. Right? Because the guy can do whatever they want. <laughs> we, we, we go so often back to Patton Oswalt, but um, good old Brian Dennehy. Yeah. Character actors! Who cares how we look? <laughs> um, and it's just, it keeps, it's like every time those two get a moment where they can just be themselves... 
that her world and his world clash. Oh, they do. That one of the most painful sequences to me is to, in the early part when she calls him and find you know he finally gets the message from Spike that she's called to uh, get to to get together with him again, Three or actually for, for really for the first time an actual date. Yeah. And he shows up and it's in the middle she's doing a press junket for her latest movie. Right. And the only way he can get in is if he pretends to be a reporter for and he just sees a magazine horse and hound. <laughs> And he's there to interview her, and then they make him interview everyone else in the movie. <laughs> he has never seen the movie. He doesn't know who any of these people are, and he's so bad at it. It's absolutely believable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also uh, love the fact that at the uh, he's he's walked up to the room with another guy who it turns out is another reporter, and he's yeah. wondering why is this guy coming with me? Because it turns out she asked him up to the room and forgot she had to do this whole press thing. So he walks in with another reporter, and he's got a thing of flowers, and the other reporter remarks, "Oh, you brought her flowers." And Hugh Grant, who is to be fair, although halting, he is quick on his feet says, "Oh no, these are from my grandmother. She's in the hospital up the street." And when he's leaving thinking he's finally done with this horrible experience of interviewing people he doesn't know about something he's never seen, says, oh, she took your flowers, and he has to go, oh, yeah, uh, uh, bitch. <laughs> it's so obvious that saying that word was such an effort for William. Yep. Because <laughs> he just, like, he doesn't say words like that. And then he gets called, the, 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 one of the people calls him back, oh, 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 Mr. Thacker. He just goes, oh, please, not another one. <laughs> and he actually gets to go act back in and yeah. actually talk to her, which is very nice. But the two worlds couldn't be more at odds. And I can see the pain in the way it's depicted because when they just are themselves, when they're just two people, they really like each other. Mm -hmm. And he... Especially that scene we were talking about earlier where they're in bed together the morning after we what we guess is, you know, the morning after. Um, she just sits there and ta starts talking. What is it with women's breasts? I don't get it. What is the fascination? I don't understand. And he says, hmm, hmm, no idea. Let me check. And he goes over and he looks under the blanket and he sits back down and goes, nope, having a clue. And But the fact that he did that, that he felt comfortable enough with her... To just go ahead and even though, yes, they've had sex, but of course it was in the dark and I don't know, with a flashlight and <laughs> whatever. Um, However the, the English do it, he, yes. <laughs> tea and crumpets. Um, <laughs> or is that strumpet? I never um, The fact that he goes and just says, well, I'll have a look and does. And the way she that, just cracks up, she thinks he's. She does. A, and, I, and he also, the, the other thing you have to say, I have to say about him is he can be very clever and very witty. When she's saying, you know, every other person has breasts, he goes, well, not, you know, not more than that, really. I mean, Meatloaf's got quite a nice pair. <laughs> <laughs> and he does it absolutely deadpan. Yes. And it, to me, that, like, one of those moments there is when we're actually seeing William. All of his defenses are down. Most of his Britishness is down. No offense to our British listeners, but you tend to be very polite and very nice people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Weirdos. Yeah. You should be rude. <laughs> be obnoxious like having, going around having manners. Jeez. <laughs> but we actually, I think get to see him. And I don't think he gets to do that very often because he always feels like even in front of spike, he has to be sort of, 
All right, I know he's he's an idiot, so I have to be nice to him. I can't just yell at him like I'd like to, so I'll... Right, so, um, what happened to... You know, and Spike's like, no idea. <laughs> Although he does, when he's realized that Spike has waited two days to give him the message from Anna, he is describing Spike, and Spike's sitting right there, guys. Picture the stupidest person you can imagine. Are you now doing that? double it. Yes, I think I can picture you. <laughs> and Spike could not care less. He could not... Nope. Totally not offended... And the thing is, is he's waiting for, there's a, there's a code word. So whenever she stays at a hotel, she uses an assumed name. And she's left it with Spike, who he says, yeah, she gave me this name, Anna. And then later she gave him this totally different name. What was it? No idea. He can't remember it. And after he calls Spike an idiot, he just goes, Troy Flintstone. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, it turns out. Yep, that's the name she used. Yeah. The mo God, one of, I think, the, it's one of the most touching lines Everyone always talks about the I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy, but the one that just goes right through through into the heart for me is when the paparazzi have discovered them and she's just furious. She's just freaking yeah. out. She feels betrayed. And he, uh, William doesn't get it because he, you know, it's not his world. He doesn't understand what it means to have bad publicity and how that actually translates into direct economic consequences. And she says at one point, when she's about to, she says, I will regret this forever, you know, which is just a dagger. And yeah. he just says, well, I will feel the exact opposite if it's all the same to you. It's like, yeah. oh! Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's about probably when the, when the clash is its greatest, is when yeah. she... Well, the, so what happens is she's come to stay with William, Spike has gone down the pub and said something stupid because that's what Spike does and mentioned that, oh, you know, Anna Scott's staying at our house. The next morning, William goes out to get the newspaper wearing a T-shirt and his boxer shorts and the porch is flooded with paparazzi yeah. and news reporters. And he's stunned. He is visibly just like, I have no idea what's going on. And he shuts the door and then she comes down and she's like, oh, what's going on? And she goes to the door and he's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. But it, because he can't process what's happened, he doesn't actually reach out and go, no, for the yeah. love of all the gods, <laughs> don't open the door. Yeah. And she's wearing his shirt and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And so, and then of course, Spike, Spike. Spike goes out and not in his underwear and starts posing for them. <laughs> and he thinks this is hilarious. He thinks it's a great thing, the best thing ever. Nice talk, buttocks. <laughs> Yeah, Spike is delighted with how he looks, and you know no. he's, uh, <laughs> I, he's I don't, not perhaps yeah. unearned, but <laughs> yeah. But so, it, it really is, and she and all and the backstory to that is she's hiding out because someone just published a series of old nude pictures she did when she was just starting out and had no money, which is it happens with a lot of beginning actors or models, is they pose nude because they need the money. And well, then it was they, worse than that. Hmm? Well, it turns out that somebody was filming right, her. Right, and they end being... up sort of recutting it into, so it looks like a porno. Right, and, and she's like, I can't live past this. I'll never get past this, which, she's... as it turns out, she gets past it rather quickly. Yeah, but, yeah, that's but she's totally ashamed, and this feels like another betrayal, and it's more than she can take. And, yeah, she basically leaves him. And Well, and I actually like his perspective, because his perspective is actually correct. Okay, it's her career and et cetera, but it's like, look, there's going to be another scandal from somebody else in a week and this will be forgotten. She's like, every time I do anything, they're going to bring this up. And it's like, e to some extent, but quite honestly, what, 
would you ra- his whole point is life is worth a whole lot more than this you know life means a lot more than this and eventually we get to see some of this it's like so what let them have their moment we still had a really nice time you came to visit me and it was wonderful and she just decides the whole thing was the worst thing that ever happened so like yeah that's the stab to the heart and there's a number of stab to the heart moments in this film both good and bad on the way home from the uh the birthday party there she's walking her back to the ritz and they go by this little gated park oh yeah this little garden and she's like oh we should go and he's like well you can't you have to be one of the people who lives near here and she's like do you always follow these rules and he's like uh uh no no not at all they scale the fence she much more easily (laughs) than him he barely almost kills himself well he yeah he falls off the fence and he goes whoopsie daisy and she's like what did you say (laughs) nothing nothing at all did you just said whoopsie daisy no 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 because of course nobody in a hundred years has said whoopsie daisy (laughs) and he tries again and says the same thing (laughs) like you know only says that as little girls with golden ringlets (laughs) (laughs) but they go in and it's this lovely little gated community for rich white people i mean (laughs) well let's (laughs) face it yes um and they find this bench and this bench has been given by this man in memory of his wife and it said this is for so-and-so from her so-and-so who always sat next to him and it's just the sweetest thing and this will be important because at the end of the film they're seen sitting on that bench together. And the idea, because of that bench, that bench is a symbol that they found each other, they've accepted each other, and they too will have a nice life together. Well, even um, when she sits on the bench and he doesn't know what to do, he's sort of just pacing, and she says to him, come sit by me. Yeah, It's just such a sweet moment. It is. Um, it's funny, you get all these sweet moments and then these, these horrible interruptions by Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it goes particularly deep I should say it doesn't go particularly deeply to use the adverb into the actual life of fame but it touches on it enough that it's like the next time I see a famous person I'm probably just going to leave them alone because you know they don't need this and speaking uh one of my my talking points Max have you met anyone famous in similar circumstances you mean and ended up in bed with them? Um, sure, no, no, lots just of them. Ma- oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, Mr. I hate, Rogers. I hate to kiss uh, and tell. Bill Nye, the science guy. Brian Dennehy. Um. <laughs> no, but have you ever uh, met a famous person just like by chance? Yeah, sure. A uh, cu- couple times. S- I, well, not. I don't. I can't say I met anyone like hugely famous. I met Stephen King when I worked in a bookstore. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about him. And because uh, I met him too, uh, I met a, I met uh, the comedian A. Whitney Brown at a comedy club. Who, yeah, they <laughs> fancy went, that, huh? yeah, <laughs> fancy fa- that in yeah, a comedy club. Yeah, no funny less. that. Yeah, I can't really. That's really not running into them in a strange place because, like, oh, I, he was performing that night, but we were out front together, and for some reason, I have never understood. He walks over, looks at me, walks over, goes, "Hey, you, like, yeah, you a writer?" Like, uh. I've written stuff, and it's, no, and he just storms off. (laughs) What just, I I was with a friend friend of mine named Doug, and we look at each other going, what just happened? (laughs) Apparently he he needed a punchline. And I was like, okay, maybe he he was looking for, like, one of his writers, like his joke writers or something, and... Hmm. But he didn't know what he looked like. <laughs> I, I, did they have? They think I was like a I don't know writer for hire who wandered in off the street. I I don't know. It was a confusing yeah. moment. Yeah, 
Um, How about you? I mean, you met a yeah. ton, you met a ton of people when you worked in the comic book store. Well, most of the famous people I know are comics related people, but three Hollywood people did, in fact, for reasons pretty much unknown to me, walk into the comic store that I worked at. The first one that I remember chronologically, I believe, was Carrie Fisher. Ah. And she walked in. I did not know who she was because she walked in. So she walked past me. I was sort of more or less on parallel with the door. So I saw the back of her head. She walked down one aisle, cut over to the next aisle, walked towards me up the middle of the next aisle, stopped, looked very confused, like, why am I here? And then <laughs> left. <laughs> oh, okay. The second one that I remember meeting, uh, and I would never have recognized this person if they had not paid for what they were buying with their American Express card, um, was Christopher Lambert, uh, best known as uh, I, the as Duncan McLeod. Of the as, Clan uh, McLeod. Of the Clan McLeod from Highlander. <laughs> yeah. um, he actually was buying a Tintin book, because at that point they were going to make a live-action Tintin movie, and for whatever reason he was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, buying a Tintin book. Um, sure. Quite honestly... Much, I think his hair was either just pre-gray stoke or just post because <laughs> it was very long and curly huh. and he was wearing very thick glasses and I was like, whatever. And he hands me his card. It's like, oh, Christopher Lambert. And I looked up. It's like, I squinted. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the third one, whom I actually spoke to and helped and whom you very much call sir, was uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh. And he was filming um, Blown Away at the time in Boston. So this leads to my question, one of my questions, which we asked last week, was usually these rom-coms have a point where the two people meet and it's supposed uh, to be unlikely that they would meet. So The meet cute. You, mm -hmm. the, if you must. Yeah. Do you buy the circumstance? Um, I guess so. First off, these two have two meet cutes, which I think is a little much. One is just when she comes into the bookstore and the other is when he bumps into her and spills orange juice on her. Right. Both of those are quite believable. Well, I don't know why she came into the uh, travel bookstore unless she was just looking for some place to get out of the crowd. But I think they're reasonable. The other odd thing, I got to say, uh, a lot of the time when you see a famous person on the street, you do not recognize them. No. Because they're not wearing a the makeup. They're not in character. And I have, I am told I have walked right by famous people like, in the bookstore and had no clue who they were. I take it back, though. With Stephen King, I knew immediately who it was. <laughs> well, he's pretty distinctive, yeah. Yeah, he was wearing his uh, Red Sox cap, but uh, it was still but, Stephen King. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, I buy the meat cute. I think that, that it works okay with them because it doesn't feel contrived. The only surprising part is that they run into each other again, a second time, so quickly, uh, while he's carrying orange juice. I didn't really have a problem with that. We knew she was in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, you're sitting there going, oh, well, what person ever has a Hollywood star walk into their store? Uh, probably a lot of people. A lot of people do. Hollywood people go shopping. It's a funny thing. Sometimes they really don't want to be noticed. But right. some of them have this weird – I've talked to people who have seen a lot more famous people than I have, you know, either because of where they work or what they do. They say they a lot of them have this weird vibe of, oh, God, please don't notice that it's me. <laughs> No, I uh, oh she respect my privacy. You know yeah. me, the famous guy person. So yeah. th there's some of them have a kind of weird love hate thing with the with the recognition because let's face it, if you want to be a movie star, if you become a movie star, 
you must want that recognition on some level. You may not want it all the time, right? but some part of you must need it, because otherwise, why would you put up with the complete and utter loss of privacy? Yeah. I'll have to say, too, that if Julia Roberts wants to not be recognized... She's doing a terrible job at it. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> she, she puts on sunglasses. You'd be surprised. The standard Hollywood disguise apparently is a baseball cap and put your hair in a ponytail if you're a woman, mm. and and sunglasses. Some guys. And it seems to work. Yeah. Huh. But, yeah. Um. So I get yeah, that's that's one of the other yeah. the two big questions in this one. We don't have to worry about the times. It's the '90s. Yeah. It's not that long ago, so there's nothing really anachronistic we have to worry about. So the film still holds up in that respect. The other big question I have is chemistry. Do you think these two have chemistry? Yeah, I do. I, I think the chemistry works. I I kind of agree with you. I think Tim McInerney and the one who played Bella have more chemistry. Yeah, but I I think they do, and I think it builds because initially. You're like, wow, I don't know if these two work. Because first, if nothing else, she is extremely American and he is extremely English. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> when they, If you dug up the mold of Englishmen, it would look exactly, you know, it's like, wow, this is from 1066 or something. Oh, that's funny. It looks just like Hugh Grant. Yeah. Might be a little blonder. But that, uh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, might be a little blonder, but uh, same, same big blue eyes. Yeah, and I'm sure it was apologizing for something. But uh. <laughs> I would say that you get more. This is sort of weird because it sort of doesn't make sense. But I think that for the for most of the film, you get more of the chemistry from him than you do from her. And I, I don't think that, that that's necessarily a bad thing because, of course, she's a lot harder for trusting than he is. He's had one bad love life experience. As far as we can tell, he's had one experience. Um, so I can understand that part, but she can't trust anybody because, you know, as it turns out, they might go down the pub and, you know, let things out. But the chemistry is, I would say, more weighted heavily on his character through the first half of the film. But I agree. I think they have chemistry, especially towards the end. It's when she comes back, there's that moment and it's a moment. And I'm sure there's there. People are going to be divided about the. I'm just a girl line. Yeah. I that thing goes right through my heart. I'm sorry. It's it's a lovely line. She's wearing a very demure, very simple blue sweater and skirt. She's it looks to me like she's tried to scrub as much of Hollywood off her as she can. She's wearing she's very trying, little makeup. Yep. She's trying to appear as herself. She I think that that's one of the symbols there is she's showing no, I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about me. This is just me. And she does this wonderful speech about how she wants to try and have him take her back. And he's just like, I don't think I could survive it. Yeah, she said, and yeah, I don't see. Because he's sure you, she'll leave him again. Well, he's like, I don't think my heart could take, yeah. you know, that, that whatever happens with Hollywood. And her facial expression stays porcelain, but you can still feel the cracks behind it. You can see it she's, just from her eyes. It's actually really yeah. remarkable. People have complained about Julia Roberts that she's, oh, you know, it's just because the way she looks or because she's tall or what have you. It's like, no, the woman can act. Yeah. And you can see that that's not what she was expecting or at all what she wanted to hear, but she also has to accept it. It's like, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. But she she sort of tries well, would. Do you, do you think about it this way? Because none of that's really real. And he's like, yeah, I, I just, I don't think I can. And she leaves. And it's, you know, that's that's another one of those moments. Um, so, yeah, the chemistry, it's interesting because it's not as instant as it might have been in, say, It Happened One Night. Um, 
or I wouldn't say it was instant and it happened yeah. one night, but it didn't happen as quickly yeah. and it wasn't as even, but I would say it's there. Yeah, and I do love the reconciliation scene is actually very nicely handled. It's a press conference again, only this is a large <laughs> scale, and he again is introducing himself as from Horse and Hound, <laughs> which yeah. I, I love what this line, you know, yes, you, you are Horse and Hound's favorite actress. Well, you and, you and Black Beauty, it's a tie. <laughs> Yeah. And just like but, Bumpy, you know, yeah. Bumpy's very big in Horse and Hound. <laughs> yeah, but uh, when he's basically, and she gets what he's doing. He is a he is abasing himself. He's per, he is apologizing in front of this whole room, although in the third person because he he's not admitting who he is yet to to the well, crowd. But as a bunch of reporters, they yeah. figure it out. Yeah, they figure it out pretty quick. And just, just like, you know, would you could be con- consider giving him another chance? And she goes, yes, I would. And they don't, there isn't the, they fall into each other's arms. They don't get, they're nowhere near each other. And it's just the way they're grinning at each other across the room that is yeah. just as intimate and just as satisfying. Well, you can see in his eyes that he has totally blanked out the rest of the room. Yeah. The only thing he sees is her and that's it. And there's a nice little sort of ending montage we see um, him going to one of her premieres as Mr. Julia Roberts. Um, and he looks very awkward, even though it's Hugh Grant getting out of a, yeah, t- a, yeah. In a tuxedo, getting out of a limousine at a red carpet, which is something Hugh Grant does very well. Um, he looks awkward and like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. We see their wedding, which is very nice. We get to see the mother. Um, and then we, this, the, the parting scene is them sitting on that bench. And he is reading a book, and she's got her head in his lap, and you can tell that she's pregnant. Mm. And it's just it's just nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> so what else is nice, Max, what? is the fact that we've come to the end of our episode, and oh, we have to discuss whether nice. we think the whole movie is nice. Because yeah. <laughs> it's got parts, but sometimes those parts, as nice as they are, don't add up to yeah. a satisfying conclusion. So if we take a moment to reflect. Roundup. Max. Present. Now, you'd seen this before, right? I know you didn't see it when it came out, but you'd seen it before. I had. Had you seen it often, or have you just seen it once? I've seen it a couple of times. And what is your verdict? I think it holds together very well, and I think it holds up very well. It's just very sweet. And I do the thing I really like about this as a and again, taking nothing away from it happened one night. This doesn't this love story doesn't happen over four nights. No. This takes this is over like almost the course of a year. Even if some of it is kind of sped up, it's not as, you know, hi, uh, you know, hello, I love you, won't you tell me your name sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mr. Morrison, but uh, it I I really like the way it builds. I like the fact that it's not easy and that they're dealing with some real issues, like how how can he fit into can he fit into her world? Can it's pretty clear because his world she's very comfortable in, <laughs> except for Spike. <laughs> except for Spike, but no one could be comfortable with Spike. No, poor Spike. I wonder what happens to him. I guess he marries Honey and they move into whatever her apartment is. Because yeah, yeah. What what about you? How how does it uh, how is it for you? Does it hold together? I adore this uh, film. I'm pretty sure that the reason I saw it as I was visiting my mother, and she loved this film. Uh, in fact, I think I have her copy. I could be wrong. Uh. Um, I don't usually... I'm a very masculine, manly man. Uh. I tamed the seas myself, and I have <laughs> tattoos you wouldn't believe, which, of course, these days doesn't mean a damn thing. True. Um, 
I yeah, this this film melts me. It really does. Uh-huh. It's very sweet. I'm sure if you if you're not a rom com person, it's not going to change your mind. Uh, it is exceedingly white. <laughs> it is um, very very white. And of course, the film is basically like. Even a beautiful young white girl and a beautiful <laughs> young white boy can find love. I know you wouldn't think it's possible, but it's true. Mm. I like them together. I, the fairy tale aspect of what if you could fall in love with a movie star? Yeah, it works on me fine. Just yeah. fine. Um, I actually like the fact that it's really the Julia Roberts character is the more in control of things in general. Um, and that the, the guy is the one who's awkward about things. It's, it's a nice change. I really just don't have any problems with this film. I think it's fun. I think it's sweet. Um, there are certain times I'm just in the mood to see it. So there you go. And it is funny. There are parts that are genuinely laugh out loud funny. And you like all of the ancillary characters. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a great group of friends. They're all interesting. They're all funny in their own ways. They're all sweet in their own ways. Um, Spike's freaking hilarious. Uh, Bella and Bur or not Bella and Burning, Bella and Max yep. are a great couple. Honey is a nice character. She's funny. The girls, um, the girls that Hugh, that uh, William is set up with, like uh, Tessa, <laughs> Tessa, and my favorite is the Fruitarian. <laughs> and the sad thing is, when it when this film came out, the idea of the Fruitarian was probably considered ludicrous. And now, yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if whole, it's a thing. It is a thing. Oh, they really? Have, yeah. And oh, oh, so. Yes, I, uh, we believe that um, you can only eat fruit and that is fallen from the tree. And because the fruits and vegetables have feelings. And, yes. uh, so these, uh, these, these characters have w- been murdered, yes. <laughs> I, I, I got to give props to that actress because she delivers that line so seriously. And yeah. so, like, yes, this I absolutely believe this. These carrots were murdered. Yeah. But uh, getting away from the murder of carrots, what are we going to watch next movie? Well, before before we get to that, let's get to a little business, which <gasps> right, we are now business, moving to the end of the show. We are, if we yes. remember to do it. Yep, if we do. Uh, in that, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you want to hear others. You have a complete back catalog of them at our website, maxmikemovies.com. You can also uh, listen to us and find our back episodes on the podcast app of your choice. Google, Apple, iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify under podcasts. Uh, you can email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. Yes, so as some of our incredibly famous listeners, you know, those of you who deal with the troubles of fame, do you think this is an accurate portrayal of that? Uh, I know, because I know you're out there. I tell myself that every night as I go to sleep. And uh, of course, uh-huh. you can find us on the socially mediated things on Facebook or Twitter as MaxMikeMovies. And uh, yes, next week, we're going back in time. We are not watching Back to the Future. No, no, we're not. That's not really a a romantic comedy. We're going to one of the classic romantic comedy duos, Tracy and Hepburn. Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla? No, no, Tracy and Hepburn. You know, Audrey Hepburn and and, uh, Tracy Ullman. I don't think so. Sh- Tracy the gorilla from the yeah, real that, Ghostbusters? Yes, that's it. <laughs> no, no. Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, who did a whole series of these things. And I'm going to one of my favorites, which is Pat and Mike. No, man, the loons. <laughs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Oh, me? What do I think? Oh, well, 
Oh, I see. What I think has happened is that once again the call has kill killed itself and Max is gone. Are you there? 